podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. I am joined by the resplendent Josh Landy in his Soho House style uh, office. Hi, Josh. Boydo, great to be here. Great On to the be here. Monday early. We're doing this early because you've got well, such a busy lifestyle yeah. we have to make uh it's not really early it's quite late when you consider we played on friday i mean i was um, thinking that yeah. yeah i mean we should have done it you know if we had any wit about ourselves we should have done it on saturday as it is we're, getting, we're the last voices of arsenal fandom on our triumphant um, result against uh, aston villa but who cares you know again another discussion of this great moment in arsenal history i feel and we're joined by uh ollie shorts legendary uh purveyor of artisanal, organic, fair trade chocolate. Yeah, you said it so so beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> um, how is the chocolate business going, Ollie? Yeah, it's going okay. It's going okay. Although Brexit is, um, we still oh. don't like Brexit. We still oh, don't no. like Brexit. Ten, no. 10 months on, nearly eleven months on. It's uh, it's not getting any easier out there. Oh dear, fucking Brexit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, other than about- that, it's fine. Doing this podcast in person would sometimes mean that Ollie would have brought with some of his chocolate. Virtually, yeah. is not quite the same, is it, in terms of getting your chocolate, Ollie? Um, but we uh, we hope you could have delivered us. We we could have had a delivery round with some of your chocolate. Well, I should podcast. have given some to your your father-in-law, um, but yes. uh, alas, alas, it's my first day in after my uh, my trip to Greece. So uh, chocolate is uh, yeah, there's not there's not an abundance of it at the moment. We should name the brand Bean and um, what's it called again? Seed and Bean. Seed and Bean. Seed and Bean. Bean and Seed. Seed and Bean. Um, and what is the? Have you brought in any new flavours since the last time you sent me a vast, a lovely array? Yeah, we, we've got. We had a salted caramel release the other month. Oh, of course, of course. We've got a, we've got a chocolate pretzel coming out. Hopefully, at the start of next year. Again, wow. if, if if Bulgaria could send the the, the pretzels, that would be nice. Um, Come on, where they're coming from. Yeah, I know, I know, but yeah, there's there's problems at the border. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, well, we can brighten up your uh, general um, life by talking about the last because last week um, on this podcast, I think we with Alan Alger, I think we all agreed that we still hadn't seen in the entire history of Mikel Arteta's managership of Arsenal a game in which we which we controlled properly. For 90 minutes. And lo and behold, I do believe on Friday, oh, Josh is already shaking his head. Well, I mean, as much as any team. 80, 80 all right, minutes. All right. But as much as, I mean, even like Man City and Liverpool, I mean, even now, I'm trying to think, did Man U have a 10 minute period? No, actually, maybe not. Most, even the greatest teams have maybe five, 10 minutes where they seed possession to the other team just, just to have a bit of a rest, you know. But more or less, we had 90 minutes ish of control of the game on Friday against Aston Villa 
It was astonishing. Were you, were you both there? Were you there, Josh? Yeah, Josh. No. I, I was there, Boyd. Were you there in club I level? There. I thought Absolutely. the atmosphere, maybe, yes. do you think the fact it was a Friday night, people are back yeah. in the office, maybe yeah. coming on to, to Arsenal? It was a good atmosphere. Good atmosphere. I, I wasn't there. I watched on Zoom. I just got back from Greece and my, my, my daughter was uh, had to look after her because she wasn't feeling great. So, But oh, I watched enough. it on TV and the atmosphere was great. And you know yeah. what? I loved... And I can't believe I'm saying it. I, I kind of like the abuse that Emmy Martinez got um, because I, I, I thought it was Harsh. I, I, I thought it was deserved. I think he's he's been so arrogant since he's uh, but since did he, he's left the club. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up, Ollie. I'm glad you brought this up because um, I was with Derma, um, TV's Derma O'Leary, of course, and um, we were both um, we were both fairly unhappy. Not you know with the with the with the stick that um, he got. Uh, because the thing is, the thing about um, Emmy Martinez is he didn't leave the club. He didn't leave the club because he wanted to. He left the club because the club went for the other goalkeeper, Eleno. So it wasn't his fault, was it, Josh? One hundred percent. I could not disagree anymore. I was really upset by the abuse that he was getting. All right, maybe abuse is taking it uh, a little bit far. But you know, what were the fans thinking? You're just a shit Aaron Ramsdale. I think Aaron Ramsdale is better than you, or something like something like that. Let, let's have a bit of. Class. But they booed like him as well. They booed him. One, I mean, fuck off. Yeah, this guy was incredible for the ten, you know, twelve games at the end of a season that culminated in in winning an FA Cup, and surely would have stayed at Arsenal uh, had he sort of been given any assurances about getting, you know, football as a number one goalkeeper. And there's an argument to make that at the time they obviously thought Leno was good enough to be the long-term number one goalkeeper, which has, has not proven um, the case. I think he's entitled to feel slightly hard done by because he might feel that he's wasted so many years of his career when it has seemingly proven that he was capable and, and good enough of playing at, at this kind of level where he wasn't given that opportunity, um, you know, at Arsenal during a, during pretty much a decade with the club. So to ridicule him as a returning sort of Premier League goalkeeping opponent, I thought was a lack of mm. class and not very befitting of the Arsenal Ollie, defend yourself. <laughs> I only seem to happen in the second half more than the first half. And I think that it was, he gave, he was, I guess he was being what any goalkeeper would do, but he was giving it a lot of, um, a lot of chat to Lacazette and Obama Yang before the penalty was being mm. taken. And I think, yeah, he's not, he's not come out and said wonderful things about, the club since he's left really you know he was very complimentary I know literally on the day that he left and said how he's enjoyed the time but after that he's had a few little digs at the club and I think you know the what happened on the penalty and being able to watch it again on tv and with the you know the, you know having the replays makes it a little bit easier for me to say he really did he, he, he gave it as good as he as, as he could give and um yeah, the the crowd definitely uh, they didn't appreciate it nor like it. So um, it was, I think it was more banter than anything. But um, you know, if what next year when he comes back, I don't think he'll get much. But uh, he, he definitely he definitely gave it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fully within his right to to have those antics to do those antics when you're when you face a penalty. That's just you know that's just standard. Um, goalkeeper tactics, and that's that's fair. I just think booing, he was booed. You're, you're right about the chanting, that was mostly in the second half, but he was booed right from the start. Um, quite 
audibly quite badly. I, I thought it was. I, I think it lacked class. So I agree with Josh. No, I, did, I didn't. I didn't hear the booing um, yeah. from the start. Only in the second half did it did it come through to me. But anyway, anyway, there's more important things to discuss than that. Than, than um, the Martin is getting booed. Josh isn't there. Well, I, I hope there is, but you haven't given us a quick update on how club level was with sort of oh, food okay. and drink options, yeah. which usually well, we like to hear. From I you. mean, or yeah. did you go for dinner beforehand this time, Boyd? Yes, yeah, so we went to Yildiz, the greatest um, uh, kind of Greek style uh, restaurant, eatery in the area um, beforehand. And as is always the case, we, we met there like, you know, two hours before, before kickoff. We still managed to get there like one minute after eight, pretty much. Um, but the but you'll be pleased to know that after my admin issues last week, I, I did get in easily this time through the turnstiles. And a, even like one of us had a slight, there's a, the, basically putting your phone onto the thing, the, the electronic turnstile to get you in, the electronic ticket system is definitely like not working properly, but it takes at least like two or three goes for it to work seemingly on almost everyone's phone. So there is like this kind of slightly tortuous thing where am I actually going to get into the, to the, to the game using my phone, which is the system they want us to use. So that was, but we did get in, in within a match of minutes, um, didn't eat. And we managed to have some beers, some Camden Hills, free Camden Hills at halftime as well, Josh. So it wasn't, it was, it was a much improved situation to Monday between Monday and Friday. Maybe they listened, they heard the podcast, obviously the powers that be, and it was went much smoother four days later. Well, that is terrific news. I'm pleased yeah. of the uh, progress that's been, uh, made in the, in this regard and we should also say that there's been an update on the Arsenal stadium announcer did did Alan Alka get in touch and let you know what happened no go on well, he, he he's made friends with our with our new stadium announcer i think alan will 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 be honest enough to say that he he mentioned that he was unsure if we needed a a great new young person at, at the helm um but that had been improving every single week and, and now twitter has borne a friendship for the two and not only has twitter uh borne a, a friendship for the two and they're chatting away we realize uh that the, the announcer is a, is a listener to this podcast and was familiar with alan and had heard him oh my on this podcast God. i didn't um, know this at all this is amazing yeah, so uh, we've been uh, uh, bringing a friendship, an unlikely friendship possibly, uh, that has come together. So I didn't want to sort of reach out straight away, but I- I'd love to get him on on the uh, on the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. desperately um, sure. I mean, we-, we follow each other now. I'm waiting for the right moment, Boyd, to see if we can invite him What's on. His name? And then he What's like his name? becomes, uh, I will just double check that for you. But of course, once you're an Arsenal employee, I don't know if that makes it difficult mm. to sort of come and come on these podcasts and, and sort of speak. Not that we are, to be honest, are we? We're not, we're not, you we're know, very civilized. Delacious. And, and but getting, did, um, did he, uh, once you, well, once you're looking for his name, did he, um, so he basically heard Alan Algar disparaging him uh, on our podcast and was like, was he like, you know, do you have to be so harsh or was it, did he, what was his, what was his response generally? Um, yes, they've. Everyone has uh, has made up and uh, made peace, which is uh, which is terrific um, with it. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to uh, double check what his at sign is, but as soon as I get it, I will I will let you know. It's good to see a blossoming blossoming romance come from it. Then yeah, a bromance, a bromance. Obviously, um, he did. Funnily enough, though, um, if it was him, presumably it was him doing the announcing on Friday, and he did, I believe, get the name of the scorer, the Sheffield, the yeah, not Sheffield, the. Um, the Aston Villa scorer role, didn't he? I think. Um, I think he now, yeah, I think it was, it was Ramsey, wasn't it? And I think he got his first name wrong. 
I'm pretty sure. Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, I think he said something like... Did he go Aaron? Did he go Aaron? Jay, he didn't go Aaron, which would have been understandable. Um, but I think he said something like James Ramsey or something, then corrected himself quite quickly. That's my memory of that moment, which because it because I remember telling, I remember that was then the spark for me to explain to the to the my co- friends that I was with at the game that Alan Alga had uh, launched a tirade against him, <laughs> rather harsh, overly harsh tirade against him. Um, well, look, anyway. we, we, we are here to to yes. see uh, new youngsters on the pitch. Emil Smith Rowe and Saka, and so too off the pitch with people being given an opportunity. Yes, yeah, and um, we wish him. And I had seen actually on social media a lot of the fan base enjoying the tunes that were being uh, chosen mm. to sort of bring the players back onto the pitch and everything like that. So that is also down to his fine work. So keep it up. If if he could, we were, uh, if we did get him, that. if we did get him on the podcast, of course, the first thing I'd say to him is, can you please have a word in the ear of the scoreboard? whatever, graphics people, whoever the fuck is in charge of that scoreboard, because it's still showing one team at a time. It still takes like five minutes to work out who the fuck is playing for the other team. Wow, it's really a, frustrating, isn't oh it? Oh my God, Ollie, can you believe it? What It's uniquely uniquely Arsenal, isn't it, to have a scoreboard that does not show you both teams' lineups at the same time? Long gone are the days when you've, uh, when you, when you've got... Got them in side by side, so you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ludicrous comp idea. Yes, Josh. Yeah, it, I found uh, it's Peter. It is Peter, Peter, and you can find him. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind at DJ Selenki. Um, oh. okay. So um, yeah, loads of love being given for the for the tunes that the Arsenal players are going in and out of. Maybe he takes requests. Boyd, what would you request? Arsenal have been unbelievable first half. They've demolished Aston Villa. Mm. What do you want the players running back out um, to? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I have a think. I don't know. What, what would you do? What would you have? Well, I, I, I'm not in charge, boys. You're in charge. Uh, <laughs> okay. We'll, 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 we'll have a think. Um, more importantly, Ollie, this performance was one of the best, if not the best, I think, certainly in the league, maybe excluding a couple of cup games or whatever, for Arteta as manager. Do you think this is a turning point in our in, in Arsenal's fortunes? We're now, uh, let me remind you and listeners, I'm sure we all know, we've got the same number of points as uh, title contenders Manchester United after their hilarious capitulation to Liverpool the weekend. Um, you know, we could be in the, we're about a couple, point, a couple of points off the top four, um, right now, do you think it's a was that a, a historic moment or against Leicester at the week on on Saturday? Will we revert to type and be mediocre and get a draw or a defeat? I, I think that's the issue with Arteta's reign, isn't it? It's we blow hot and cold far too often, and you know the the Tottenham game was was brilliant, and then you had the the limp performance. I think it was Brighton the the week after. Um, but you know, Brighton are a good side. Uh, you know, there's, it's it's not easy. Not everyone's going to go there and pick up three points. But the performance um, w- was disappointing. And then you, you know, followed that up with with the two two against uh, Palace. Um, and it, but it was a, it was a great ninety minutes. Um, I you know I don't think that this is going to be you know continued going through uh, throughout the season. Um, and I think Leicester will give us a great you know opportunity to see. If our fortunes can change, you know, we played really well against Leicester last year. I think we won 3-1 and the performance was really good. But it's just far, far too often that we're having these moments where you think things are clicking um, and then they just they just don't the the next game. It it was really pleasing and it was the most enjoyable 90 minutes that I've watched um, 
for a really, really long time. You know, I, the Spurs game, as great as it was, I felt that the last half an hour was, um, you know, we it was just us passing the ball around. I felt our intensity was there throughout the whole 90 minutes. Um, and, and Aston Villa did test us. You know, Spurs never tested us. You know, I think that, you know, at halftime, they, were, they just were happy not to lose by more. And Aston Villa kept on going, going, you know, trying to trying to score a goal. And I think that, you know, that was helped us on the attacking side of things. I felt we could have scored four or five, um, you know, and, and credit to Aston Villa for, for, you know, they kept on going. But it was great to see the defence and and how we dealt with it. And, you know, when they pulled a goal back and, and you know, everything about the 90 minutes was just really, really pleasing. Mm. What did you think, uh, Josh, when um, the team selection was announced and uh, Lacazette obviously got his, got his, got his role? Um, well... I, I hate to say I called it on this podcast. I mean, we, we, none of us were quite uh, convinced it was going to be the right decision, but I did argue that I would be uns- I would be surprised if Lacazette had not done enough uh, to force his way into a, into a lineup. And uh, in the end, you have to say that Lacazette, having only played seventy two minutes of, sort of Premier League football coming into the game, to basically you know double that, playing just short of seventy minutes, and you know playing at the energy he did, he was he was really impressive and. I'm not sure it's the default option, you know, going forward, but it's great to know that it, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a way to find an opportunity to bring both of those players, you know, into the team. I was impressed and you you have to give him credit because to be a player of his stature, not get selected for a single start in the first eight games of the season, that's got to affect you. But when when called upon, he definitely delivered. I I love the fact that... um... Ollie and Josh, that Lacazette, right? People have such short memories. I mean, I've always loved, I've always championed. If anyone listens to this podcast for the last 10 years or however long we're doing it, I've always loved Lacazette. I always consider him to be um, a, 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 I love, a brilliant player. You know, he's had his ups and downs, um, famously far superior to Olivier Giroud, for example, in my opinion. Um, but there was a period where he was considered a total fucking bum by a lot of Arsenal fans. He got dogs abuse. Like about, I would say, eighteen months, two years ago, when he had a, a bad time. You know, he had he had period where he wasn't scoring very much. Um, you know, and he was still getting picked by Arteta. Uh, and you know, it's like, it's, and but he's become like a folk hero all over again, which I think is great. I love it. But it's people do have short memories, don't they, Ollie? About you know the kind of way that someone like him is is regarded and treated. Yeah, absolutely. But that's football, isn't it? You know, you're always thinking about, you know, the past week and the week that's that's coming up. Um, and you're always, you know, one or two games away from, you know, tragedy, really. And I know he he has had stick, but also when he was getting stick, we were playing terrible football and we weren't getting results. So sometimes, you know, people are going to always pick up on the results and the players and not scoring. And, you know, we struggled to score, you know, ever since Arteta took over. Um, and that's kind of fallen in line with, you know, Obama Yang as well and his you know downturn in form. You know, it is great to see him back. And, you know, it's great to see the, the whole team, you know, coming together. And I, he seems to be really integral, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. Because mm. you hear a lot from Saka and Smith Rowe and they talk about Lacazette, you know, and the influence that he's had on on not just the two of them, but the other young players coming through. So he's definitely got, you know, more to to his sort of game, you know, off the pitch, you know, as, as, as much as he does on. Absolutely. I guess the masterstroke, um, Josh, was 
to not play him up front through the middle with Aubameyang on the left, which is the which is the situation they found themselves in most of the time when they've been playing together before um, for Arsenal, certainly under Arteta. And, and this time he was just behind Aubameyang, both of them really quite central. In, a, in an either, depending on which way, you, which way you, you regard it, as a 4-4-2 slash 4-2-3-1. There was definitely a lot of, lot of 4-4-2 period in that game. It was fascinating to watch it. Um, but that was like, that was the, the masterstroke, wasn't it, of, of that game, really? It kind of transformed our performance, I think. In terms of the different position for, for Lacazette to find? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. I mean, we, look, we, we faced an Aston Villa side that made it somewhat easy for us in that first half before they you know, took to Anzebe off and, and brought on Leon Bailey. Everything about the way um, Villa was set up made it easy for us. And they had the sort of two up top and we were, you know, dominant in, in that middle part of the pitch. And uh, and that meant, you know, Lacazette could could receive a lot of the ball and, and be quite dangerous with it. So I don't know if we can, you know, give, give well, of course, we must give a lot of credit towards Lacazette. But I do suspect that, you know, other sides might look at that and see an opportunity to, you know, make life slightly harder for us. But, you know, we've got options, don't we? There was obviously no Odegaard, you know, in terms of the starting lineup. We've seen Smith Rowe possibly take that more central role behind the striker as well. It's nice to know there are options for, for different games that, you know, we feel we can we can turn to. And you know, I don't know. Lacazette, you feel, is one of the most popular members in the squad. And uh, to have him sort of back involved and, and being so pivotal in probably our best performance of the season, I think it I think it bodes well. And look, having lost those first three games, what are we now? 14 points from 18? You know, we'd all have snapped, you know, hands off to get that kind of that kind of return. And I think we're seeing all the key players in the in the squad, you know, be part of that now. So I'm pretty enthused by by how we've been of late. And that goal that we got in the last seconds against Crystal Palace from Lacazette, just to keep momentum of not losing, of the unbeaten run, it was absolutely, absolutely massive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Let, We'll talk more about um, the performance, what it means for Arsenal, whether we can keep it up, etc. after this quick break. And we're back from the break. Ollie, I mean, the other thing, what did you, in terms of the, he's picked this lineup, right? And this formation, which is definitely new. Like he's, he's you know, I think, I think we, I think, I think we all thought we knew the best team probably a couple of weeks ago. At least we've got the defense is definitely sorted now, isn't it? Although, obviously, in this particular game, Tavares played, I thought, very, very good performance because um, Tini is injured, but Tini will come back into that role, I'm imagining, when he's fit. Then we had the, with party with Lekonga together um, in the in in the midfield, which worked pretty well, Lekonga did well, and party scored his first goal, which was astonishing after all the ridiculous shots he's had in the last in the, in the time since he's been at the club. And then um, Saka Smith Rowe and Lacazette and Aubameyang, and I guess we all thought, you know, we all thought Odegaard would be a key part of this team, and Pepe also no room for Pepe, no Odegaard. Now, do, do you think he faces an interesting choice now, doesn't he, Arteta? Does he basically stick with this formation, roughly this lineup, or does he revert to the way we've been playing and, and the kind of lineup that he's had up until in recent times, which hasn't been anywhere near as powerful and fluid and um successful as this this 
this team? It's no one ever can. I don't think I can ever sort of second guess Arteta and what he's ever going to do because it does seem to change every single week. Like like on Friday, I don't think anyone expected him to to go with the lineup that he went. Um, Odegaard, I really like Odegaard, but he's he's you know since he's um, since we re-signed him, I, apart from the, the the goal against Burnley, I, I do struggle to sometimes um, get infused by by his play. Um, it's I get more excited when Smith Rowe gets the ball um, oh, yeah. than I than I do with with Odegaard. Um, but you know, obviously, there's there's something about him that, that Arteta likes, and you know, I think we could probably see see the same uh, see him come back into the side against Leicester. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but it's you, you just don't know. And you know, Pepe, he's he, he could easily come back in. You just we do have options, as, as Josh mentioned, and it's great to finally have options. You know, we've we've lacked. A, a good bench where you feel like if things aren't going the, our way, we can change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we'll, we'll, we'll see, I guess on, on, on Saturday, you know, at, at but what 30. would you do? What would you do? Having, having performed that well, right. Against Villa with that lineup, that formation, would you, you know, would you keep it basically unchanged, you know, roughly? Uh, it? I, I would, the only change that I would, would, would make, I would bring in Tierney if he yeah. is um, yeah, absolutely, right, um, right. but I would I would keep it. I would keep it. It's it's difficult to to suddenly just tell someone like Lacazette that after you know the the, the two two games you've just played, you, you're back on the bench. I, I think that's really. I don't think that's good management. Um, you know, if he yeah. was to 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 put him um, put him on the bench, but you know, you can't. The, the performance was the best that we've yeah. seen in a really really long time, and to suddenly go and change it. Um, it would actually be very Arteta to go and do it, but I hope he doesn't. I think this is a test, you see, of his management. I really do. A big test, Josh, because I think this was such a superior performance to what we've, what, what, what we've seen recently that he has to keep it, keep this formation. He has to keep this personal. Again, I, I, as Ollie says, maybe, obviously, if Tin is fit, then he comes back fine. But really, he can't, he can't revert to a previous much less fluid and powerful and dynamic. This was so dynamic. This was the dynamism we've been waiting for, the pace, everything about it. We looked so much better with this setup. And I think any other manager, you know, there's a reason why, you know, people like managers like Pep and Klopp and all these people roughly stick with the same formation, you know, their treasured formations. And and, and even when they don't, in fact, it often goes horribly wrong. Um, but most of the time, 90% of the time, you roughly know how they're going to set up and how they're going to play. And I just think he's got to stick to it, hasn't he? He's got to give it another go. Yes, it, it, of course, we are all so excited about that performance for the vast majority of the game. And we want to see that level of performance and commitment and drive and you know energy that we, we saw on Friday night. But I do think a little bit has to come down to, you know, of course, the the opponents. And I think Villa setting up in the way they they do. And um, I was with a couple of Villa fans at, at the game, actually, who who I took. And they have played this three at the back um, for, I think, about sort of now six, six games in a row. And they, they were saying they felt it needed a change because the way that um, they expected, if they just set up as they had done against Wolves when they lost quite dramatically, 3-2 was going to open themselves up for pressure and they were feeling you know disappointed but feeling like I, I told you so at half time when you know when Arsenal had got into their 2-0 lead so 
I think the way Villa had set up was going to lend itself maybe to Arsenal being in the way that we expected. Leicester on Saturday, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we'll, I think we'll see a, certainly a small change in personnel um, in the team. I'd like to think we see pretty much the same the same sort of positionally from the club. I do, I do think we will. But you have to wonder now, I don't think Lacazette, for example, I know we've spoken about how, how great he did, but I don't know if that means away at Leicester um, is an automatic place in the team for him. Do you? I, I don't actually see uh, that. I don't know, but only because we know Arteta is, is, is a big tinkerer. He rarely ever, ever sticks with the yeah. same. I mean, I think it's happened a couple of times in his whole reign. He's, he's picked an unchanged team from one week to the next. And I think that's yeah, I suspect we'll I, see I, I, Odegaard back. That's what yeah, we'll see, I mean, I just it? think it's a bit of a, I think it's, I think that's a flaw. And I think, I think you can't, I mean, I know Leicester are, are a good team. I mean, they're, you know, they haven't had, they had a good result of the weekend, but they haven't had an amazing season so far. I don't see why we should, we should change our, the way we play against Leicester. You know, it's not like Man City or we're going to play Man City or Liverpool. We're not playing one of the elite super clubs. You know, we're playing a team roughly probably the same kind of level of squad that we've got, I think, on paper anyway. And I, I just think he, he's got to stick with, I think he, he should stick, but I agree with you. I I'm not saying he will, but I think that's, that's, that's a judgment on him. To give him credit though, like I, I, I would say this, like he picked that team, which was bold, you know, and he, and, 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 you know, so give him credit for that. And he set them up in the way he did, which totally worked. And it was a tactical, it's one of the great, his great tactical moves that he's had. So it does give me, that gives me more a sense of positivity I feel more positive about him than normal. And then, and I have to say stuff that when you see, I mean, when you do see Man U at the weekend managed and set up, set up by their cretinous manager, you know, as you know, it kind of puts in perspective. It's hard. Football's hard. And I think it's a reminder that, that Solskjaer and his inadequacy, you know, it, may, it doesn't make you feel, well, actually, maybe I've been too harsh about Arteta and, you know, not thinking, not knowing, not thinking necessarily that he is the man for the job because he's so inexperienced. I think you're, we're seeing, aren't we, like just how terrible these inexperienced managers can be. Like Solskjaer and Solskjaer have more experience than Arteta. So it has, it's def that's definitely had an effect on me. But I wonder, Oli, whether, you know, whether Arteta can rightfully sit there and say, well, if we are on the same number of points as Man U, you know, those who have been quite harsh about me, maybe take a step back and, think about how hard it is to do football properly. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons that we've been harsh on Arteta, and rightly so, is he's taken a team that were qualifying for Europe every single season. And for two years in a row, we actually finished outside of those positions that would qualify you for Europe. And Solskjaer took Manchester United from, I think, when he was in charge, uh, when he took over, they were... They weren't in the Champions League. Maybe they were. No, they were in the Champions League, but they're outside of the Champions League places. And he consistently got them got them in there. I remember he had that famous night in, in Paris, and that's pretty much secured in the job. I think the I think the the not, I wouldn't call it abuse, but um those calling for the head of Arteta, I, I can understand it, and I still do understand it. I don't think one one result against Aston Villa is, you know gives me any hope and reason to believe that he can turn this around because we've had too many false hopes with him and he manages always to get really good results. But then he always packs it up with some really shit ones. You know, I just remember that we um, we lost to um, Aston Villa, I think 3-0, and then went to Old Trafford 
and won one nil, and then we lost to to Leicester the following week, or maybe it was the other way around. And then we went on a terrible run of form, and then and then he pulled it back, and then we lost some 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 games again against teams that we should be winning, and and that's always my concern. And when I look at a great performance against Aston Villa, it's got to back it up. And and yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we've never really backed it up, and mm. and that's always my concern with him as, as as a manager. And I don't, he's still got a long way to go before I can start saying, okay, you know, one bad performance is fine. I mean, you talk about not backing up, but to have have now had these six Premier League games without without defeat, fourteen points. That is a level of uh, stability that you're, you're not really seeing elsewhere in, in the Premier League. I mean, even of those teams above us, you know, West Ham, Brighton, Tottenham, obviously United, Everton, even Leicester, you know, they, they've all lost in, in this sort of same period that we've we've gone unbeaten. You know, it's, it's only really Liverpool and Man City that, that haven't lost um, out of the entire league. So that there is a level of consistency there that or even know, other if- teams are not displaying. And Man City and Chelsea, two of those opening three defeats were... Teams that are going to be probably, you know, well, almost certainly two of the top three, right, with, with Liverpool. Sure. So there's no I, shame. You're right, Josh. But even more importantly than that for me, which is why I think I, I'm more positive. I am a lot more positive. After this one game, I know it's, it's, it's you know, it's reactive. It's whatever you want to call it. Recency bias, all those, all those phrases. Um but it's because of the style of of the performance. I thought for the, for the first, you know, we, we really it was a it was a really attractive, stylish performance, and that's what we've been missing. Even during that consistent run that you're talking about, Josh, I don't think we played very attractively, and and I didn't feel like there was any great, you know, we've been saying for for ever since he's joined the club, you know, what is Arteta's a plan, you know, what style have we got? What, 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 you know, what, what do we, you know, what do we stand for as a, as a, you know, as a club? And this was like the, this performance was like the the glory days, and I mean the glory days of Wenger rather than late period Wenger. This was like mid period, early to mid period Wenger. Four four two playing a dynamic attacking waves of attack. You know, it was beautiful. It was fantastic, and that's what gets me feeling much more interested. Because if we can do that once, and I know, and Villa aren't like a shit team. You know they're they're you know about the same level as we are in the league, so I, I, that's why I take a lot more positivity from it. Maybe I, I'm you know losing it, but but what about Spurs? You must have felt like that after the Spurs game. The Spurs game, I think I think I think the Spurs game almost yeah, but they were all, but equally like I think they were in that period really shit, weren't they? I think they I, I felt like that game was sometimes you can't tell is it is it your team playing really well or is it the opposition being shit? I think with the Spurs game, I felt like they were at that point, the lowest of their ebbs. Whereas I don't think Villa, I think Oli said, you know, Villa kept trying. And, and actually in the stats, it's interesting. They had 48% possession, Villa. We had 52. Sorry, 54, they had 46%. But it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a game where they weren't involved at all. It was just that our attacking was much, was so effective. 22 shots, nine shots on target we had. You know, this this is like unprecedented under Arteta. So all of that makes me be much more positive, even than we were against Spurs. It definitely felt, you know, watching it, it was one end to the to the to the other. It was it was really as a neutral, you know, if you were watching that game, you know, you would have really enjoyed it. It was a it was a great game of football to watch and exciting. And even even at three 0 when they, when they, when when they scored that goal, you you a little bit of it, you felt like if they can get one quite quickly. 
and they nearly did. They nearly did, yeah. They it, did, it, you know, yeah. you know, we're going to have a really, really exciting end to the game. It, it was that type of game. You know, I, I think it's boy, your excitement's brilliant, and I wish I had that. <laughs> I, I wish I had that excitement. Oh, I mean, that you've got. <laughs> but I just look at. I, I can't help but look at the Monday night to Friday night and how it was that two different teams um, on that pitch Monday. When Obama Yang scored, you're thinking, let's go and take this to, to to Palace. And it was just like everything bad about Arteta sort of happened from the minute we scored. We, we you know, sat back and allowed, you know, we allowed the team to, oh, to God, get themselves yeah. back oh, into the game. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're and absolutely then, right. You had the complete right. opposite on Friday. And which one is it going to be on Saturday? Yeah. And you're right. And Saturday is the key. You're right. Saturday is the key. If we back this up with anywhere like that performance against Leicester, then then we have reason to be properly excited, don't we? I, you're right. If we if we if we then revert to type and play a fairly mediocre game against Leicester, then then I'll have been proven to be wildly optimistic. But I just want to mention a couple of specific things about the game that were particularly through. Like I, I, as I always do, you watched it on TV. I watched it back. Um, on on Saturday morning, and to see um, Jamie Carragher's love of Emil Smith Rowe was amazing. Like, I mean, if he he loves him, I mean, think what I'm like. Literally, like, you know, one of his children. I mean, I'm like, he is the most exciting player we've had at Arsenal for years and years. He was phenomenal. That goal. I mean, funnily enough, from the angle that I was, we were we were at. We thought we didn't know about the deflection. We we didn't see the deflection. So it looked like the greatest goal in history <laughs> to, to us. It looked like he just dribbled basically from like just about past the halfway line and pretty much you know controlled it with his head. That brilliant pass from Aubameyang, by the way, that fantastic moment there as well. But we thought we totally controlled it and, and we didn't see the deflection. It looked like a fabulous goal. But he was just phenomenally good, wasn't he, Josh? And that was great to see. And I loved the celebration of him by um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Yeah, yeah, Carragher was absolutely raving about him and said he's, what did he say, in the Premier League, perhaps one of the fastest with the ball and most enjoyable to watch. It was incredibly high praise. And he's so sweet in his interview, I mean, yeah. that he did with, with Sky. You know, comes across so likeable, possibly still is going to need some media training to make him <laughs> a, a, a little bit more... You're uh, the man. You can get him. Get well, hold of him. Well, it's a, it's a while until he's going to be post career doing punditry, and uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here when you're ready, Emil. <laughs> so, what I do think is is interesting, Boyd, is is that he he now is is not quite on Stacker's level of love from the the family, but it, it's come close, isn't it? I mean, they're both mm. kind of becoming. There was a point where I sort of last season where Saka was so clearly above sort of Smith Rowe in terms of impact on oh. the team. And yet this season, it's become a lot lot more balanced and you hope, and Carragher alluded to it, that England caps are not miles away. He's unlucky that he's got such an incredible array of talent in the position that he plays for England. But you, you have to hope if he continues this level of uh, performance that he will get some kind of, of international recognition but it was it was you know it's really enjoyable to uh to watch him and you you saw it with the North London derby when him and Saka celebrated and you hear the way he speaks even about Aubameyang and Lacazette when he's asked about you know who's leaders in the dressing room and he sort of says what an honor it is to play with them 
you kind of believe it, right? This isn't just another yeah, signing 100%. who's talking yeah. about, you know, what an honour it is to play. You you really believe it from him. And it's nice there's two of them in the same team. There was that, you know, a period where Wilshire had such importance and, you know, others who flitted in and around, but no one who really sort of made made the same impact he did. So to have two of them at the same time, um, it, it's amazing. But he did get a massive deflection. He that did. uh he did, but <laughs> helps hugely. I know you need that luck. You need that luck. You know yeah. what I love about Smith Rowe, and and I don't know what the both what both of you thought. I never thought he'd be at the level that he's at. And I and I well I, when I, I when I watched Fabregas, you know, play for the first time, you just knew you knew what a great player he was. And there is other players when you just see them for the first time, Wilshire as well, you know, obviously what happened with his injury caused him to, to go backwards in his career but you just knew and the same with Saka like I just knew Saka was going to be at the, the level required I didn't think um, Smith Rowe would have got to that level and well, I rarely, I'm amazed I, I rarely I have any great. I rarely have any kind of particular insight into into uh, football but I did I did pretty much immediately think he was phenomenal I really did as, as I'm sure Josh will testify no, I think that's kind of fair. I, I, you were you were very uh, keen on him very early. I remember, of course, after that home game against Chelsea uh, around Christmas time last year, you were incredibly positive. And, and I'm with Oli. He is uh, he has gone above and beyond what I possibly thought we were going to get from him. And it, uh, it's a joy to be sort of proved wrong. Yeah, boy, right. you said he was in. You said straight away after that Chelsea game, yep. get rid of William yep. and, and, yep. and and yeah, I, in, I, yeah. I love it. Boy, I love, but I think you, yes. Do you love him more than Hector Bellerin? Oh, God. Or Theo, Theo Walcott? He's the new Theo for me. Yeah. He's I, the I, new I, Theo. Okay. He's the new Theo. And um, in terms of, um, it's, in terms of like, I mean, he's much, he's even more exciting to watch than Theo. I mean, for people forget, people have a go at me for my Theo love, but Theo at his height was a very exciting player to watch. I mean, he was the, his pace. You know, remember when he scored that those goals for England, etc. I mean, obviously the problem with Theo was that he was wildly inconsistent, and um, and uh, it looks so far throughout Emil Smith Rowe's time that he's undroppable because he's so consistently, you know, I mean, it, like an off game for Emil Smith Rowe is when he only has you know two or three incredibly exciting runs with the ball at pace, providing you know, and and, and an increased level of goal scoring and final, you know, final product is what is obviously what he's already kind of we're seeing before our eyes. So, but yeah, he's the new Theo for me. I, I, I'm incredibly excited about him. And I think he is, I think with the, I think you, the point about um, Saka is we've got these two brilliant players who are also, as you have alluded to, delightful people. Like it's a delight to watch them both interviewed, you know, um, by the likes of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. So it's it's that again. That, I think that's more reason. Even if even if you know Arteta isn't up to the job, we've got at least these two fantastic young guys who are going to be with us for years and, and years. Who, who should get better as yeah, well. Right, they, they will. They really yeah. should. Um, I know we uh, didn't discuss talking about this in advance, boy. There was one other thing I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you saw there were some videos on on social media of some of the Arsenal fan TV, particularly time yeah. getting uh, abuse. Yeah. I would say, what, what, what dreadful oh, shame upon, upon the pathetic. club and, and supposed supporters of going up to Ty and filming yourself, basically yeah. shouting abuse at him. Just absolute shame on, on people. You don't have to like AFTV. Oh, I and agree, you yeah. don't, don't have to go on it. But to go up in and around the stadium and, and sort of intimidate and be nasty to, to people that are 
Uh, it was just just awful, and uh, you know, if if I see it, then you know, I will go out and, and and call it out. And I hope other fans who, you know, looked like they were just sort of walking by as that sort of thing was going on, will will take issue with it because, of course, it's a a bit uh, divisive, and and some people really dislike it. But you know, the intimidation was, of fans on fans yeah. is is horrid. It was moronic. It's just you know, you'll always get morons uh, behaving like that. But that it, it is it, it is. Absolutely pathetic. While you mentioned, while you mentioned, um, you know, people appearing on as pundits and appearing on, it's interesting that the on the Sky coverage. I thought, I thought, I think Friday Night Football is fucking brilliant. I mean, Gary Neville and I, I tweeted about this saying Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and Kelly Cates is like the that's that's the Sky dream trio, and that the segment before the match where they had um, Clive. Uh, who once I think appeared on the, tried, a couple of times with this podcast yep. before going on to better things on his own podcast and um, uh, blog, James. James James from Gunner Blog and Pippa I think it was uh, who Pippa. is from AFTV right uh, Oshi Oshi AFTV right okay she, they were you know interviewed by Jamie Carragher I thought it was a great thing just because they are eloquent you know um, smart fans proper fans with their own podcasts or whatever and a, and a bit of AFTV. So yeah, I think that, I think it was brilliant that, that, that slot. And I think the whole, the whole broadcast was fantastic. Um, but more importantly, I guess we should think about, uh, we're playing in the league cup, aren't we tomorrow for a start? I mean, we'll be lucky if this podcast gets out before the, the fucking league cup game, but bearing in mind, I wonder what kind of team he'll play tomorrow. That's, that'd be quite interesting. Wouldn't it, Ollie? Like, will he, um, you get Pepe, Martinelli. Pepe, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Martinelli. Um, ho- yeah. Holding. Yeah, I always think that we remember the days where you, you, you I, I think we replayed like Sheffield United and we won 6 0. And it was really, it was all the youngsters. I feel like those days are kind of gone and it, and it's yeah. definitely more of the, the, the first team, but the, the squad um, right. who, who get the, uh, who get the nod? So you'll probably see Tavares again and um, Ainsley Maitland Niles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's got to keep those players happy, isn't he? To some extent. And without Europe, Josh, a game like this, you know, is he's got to play? You know, the kind of squad people, isn't he? Really? Yeah. I mean, it's just so so many fewer games than we had last year, and it's. Um, Unusual, I guess, that we feel we've been to the Emirates. What well, it would be three times in eight days by the time we're we're done tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, Burnt Leno wouldn't have thought nine games, ten games ago at the beginning of a season that you know this would have been a game. I'm sure he's really looking forward to just to try and get some minutes in Gabrielle and White. We've we've seen a centre back partnership that is unquestionably going to be the two. So it gives an opportunity to to those that isn't Tavares. Oh, Sorry to interrupt. Uh, some, uh, that was what on my agenda I wanted to ask quickly before okay. we before we do move on to predictions. Is you know this whole thing about possible Ben White, Benjamin White, as we must call him. That run, he had an incredible run, didn't he? Early in the game, where he powered himself forward, uh, uh, and that was like I thought set the tone and and had uh, you know had a pretty great game certainly attacking wise, and he's looking more comfortable defensively. But Ben, this whole thing about Benjamin White gave an interview. Um, last week, where he said he does not watch football, he is one of these players, and there's a few um, who don't aren't interested, seemingly, pretty much in football, apart from their their professional job, being their professional job, and doing the best they can for Arsenal. So he he literally doesn't watch match of the day, he doesn't watch live football, he doesn't 
pay much attention, you know, to, you know, so therefore how the players are going. Martin Samuel in the Daily Mail um, had a go at him saying he, he thought that was like, uh, he thought that was like not fulfilling his full potential professional duties by not paying more attention to the generalities of football at the moment. What do you think, Ollie? For me, it's like, I don't give a shit. If he doesn't want to watch football and he and he's playing well as he is and he's a good defender and he plays well for us, I don't care. Um, I didn't. I, I thought it was quite amusing. I find, yeah. I find it quite amusing it's when weird. you get professional footballers literally playing at the very, very top who genuinely just don't care about what's going on around them. They just, He literally said, I just love playing football. That's all I want to do. I just want yeah. to play football. I don't care about watching it. And it's... Yeah, it's re- I think it's relatively amusing and, and fair play to him. He, he's it's he's not had the, the the greatest start in an Arsenal shirt, but I think he's um he's I think he's coming into his uh filling his boots a little bit more um you know over the last couple of weeks. But that's not because he doesn't watch Match of the Day, is it? It's like you know that, that that's because he's getting his you know he's finding his way into our system. Yeah, he's finding our... his feet for, for yeah, Arsenal, and, and that's and that's yeah. and that's great. And I have no problem, and I couldn't care less. Yeah. if he watches Match of the Day or if he watches Man United Liverpool on on a, on a Sunday afternoon, and if he doesn't, you know, if as long as he's playing and he's putting in the performances for Arsenal, it doesn't matter what he does. Exactly, and the idea—the idea that Martin Samuel said, you know, that that he won't, you know, he'll have, his knowledge of other players will be lesser. Well, I mean, every every game, you know, there's a dossier, isn't there, of every single player that the, of any opposition team we're playing. I mean, the, the players are told exactly what is what is up with each player they have to face. So it's not like he's not going to know about these players just because he's not fucking watching match of the day. Josh, yeah, I, I think um, a lot of football fans would be surprised at the the level of knowledge of of some players of say football from from when they were young because it's very hard for us you know to to relate you know we weren't going and training even as a 8 9 10 11 12 year old three four times a week and the weekend being totally centered around a professional academy set up and and playing football and possibly also school or county football like it, it there's just a huge amount of of dedication that goes into playing in a way that for me and my friends we could just watch whatever we wanted because none of us were sort of dealing with a professional you know football environment when when we were young or going into you know train after school three times a week or or, or dedicating an entire weekend around it so um i suspect he's he's not the only one who's like that but um oh, yeah, there all are those few, hours yeah. of playing football as a youngster, instead of watching it, have obviously paid paid dividends. And I think he was asked for a, a comment on taking Patrick Vieira's shirt, wasn't he? Was you know as a previous yeah. Arsenal number four, and he was honest enough rather than give some generic comment about what a brilliant leader and captain he must have been for Arsenal. He said he doesn't obviously you know re- remember him as an Arsenal player, but yeah, you he's know, a young guy had heard yeah. what an important yeah. figure he was yeah. in the club's history. So, I- if we're going to sort of bash people for honesty, we're in a, it's a difficult place. I interviewed Troy Deeney um, uh, about a, a, 18 months ago. And um, he, no, or maybe two years ago it was, in fact, because it was when the World Cup was expecting the Euros that year. And he told me he was not going to watch, the, you know, the Euros. He's not, he doesn't watch international football. He doesn't watch that much football. So he's similar, absolutely similar. He's done all right for himself within the context of being mostly a Watford player. Anyway, we should, predictions. So, uh, tomorrow, Leeds at home in the Carabao Cup. What do you reckon, Ollie? Oh, I actually, I think Leeds will put out a really strong side. Um, yeah, I'm sure they a will. Of, um, 
that their form isn't isn't great um and i think they need to go and get a win and i think it could it could come tomorrow um because i just think we're going to put out a weaker side um i i think we i think we i think we'll go out tomorrow night um oh. and i i think we'll lose 2-1 wow josh Very you look surprised I'm a little bit surprised. I, I mean, the, the point is fair, obviously, on, on these United who have, uh, you know, made a, a really poor start to the to the season. But I think on Arsenal, you know, our team that we sort of are putting out um, in the League Cup is is stronger than it's been in, in many years. I think that's fair to say. I think, you know, trying to think about it, Lee's obviously snuck through. Uh, against Fulham on penalties, but it, it also was not exactly uh, their entire sort of first team. There were a couple of players that were sort of left left out for them that day. I do think they will come with a with a very strong team, but I think an Arsenal team, even of uh, I, I don't know Leno, Cedric, uh, possibly you know even Maitland Niles, Lacazette, I, I think will get game time. You know, possibly the Conga, Gabriel Martinelli. I, I think the Arsenal team will be too strong. I was going to say 2 0 to, to Arsenal tomorrow, boys. Hmm. I'm somewhere between the two. I think it might go to um, penalties. Straight yeah, to penalties. Straight 90 to minutes penalties. and penalties. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. And, and I think we'll, we'll win in that case on penalties. Yeah. I think we'll go through kind of in, on a very tight on a very tight evening um, more importantly though is Saturday against Leicester which I think is the early kickoff, isn't it on uh, BC Sport 12.30 yeah yeah. Josh you're going aren't you hoping to be there yeah hoping to to be there so we'll, we'll see how that goes so this is a tough I, one to predict this is isn't it because Leicester really kind of been up and one. down yeah, very hard to to be. Obviously, Leicester solid winner at Brentford, and they had an extraordinary win away in Moscow in front of twenty five Leicester fans who who made the trip to Moscow wow. with all difficulties of travelling at the moment. So, fair play to them. Leicester um, have the same I number think... of points as we. Leicester are one place above us, just to say, same number of points as us, except they have naught um, goal difference. So we have minus three. So we've, we've had a pretty similar fucking season. Carry on. Very, very similar starts. I think a draw here is okay. I think I think we, we carry on with it with a bit of momentum. I think one all board. Mm. Ollie. Yeah, I'm. I would. If you offered me a draw, I'd take a draw straight away. Um, yeah. And I, I'll. I would have gone one one, but just because Josh has gone one one, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go two two. I was going to go two two. Now that you've gone for two two, I'm going to go three three. I'm going to go fucking nuts on a three-three. We've we have there's quite a lot of goals in Leicester and Arsenal, aren't there? In theory, um, they scored 15 goals. We scored 10. Yeah, so I'm going to go for a crazy three-three. But I mean, mainly because you you both predicted two-two and one all already. Boy, but it would be you, you know, say would you take a draw? Would you take a draw? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy with a draw. Happy with a draw, definitely. Yeah, for sure. When you say we've scored sort of 10, I mean, that is in nine games, Boyd. So, not, <laughs> no, so, I know. Not amazing. You're right. Although no, it's, it's not... really in six games, isn't it? After yeah. the opening of the season. Le- so. I, I don't count the opening games of the season as, I think the season started when our the proper defence arrived when and we got over the COVID issues and all that. Yeah. So I think the season started like three games in. That's that's in my mind anyway. Um, thanks so much, Ollie, uh, for joining us as ever. Good luck thanks with for the having chocolate. Me. Cheers, Josh. And uh, we'll be back um, hopefully this time next week. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, 
Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.